Good morning, our side. Happy Easter as we come, and even though we are apart, we get to come and celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. For He is risen. He is risen indeed. We've been looking at questions uh, this Holy Week, and so we've been looking at the questions that were surrounding uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus. And so this morning, we're getting to the question that the angels asked the women of why do you seek the living among the dead? We'll be looking at Luke chapter 24, and just to give us a little bit of context and background, Luke is the only one of the Gospels that does not have an eyewitness account. Luke is writing for a patron, and so he's gone around and he's given, uh, getting these testimonies from different people who were part of the eyewitnesses to Jesus' resurrection. And so as he goes around, he writes to his patron a specific way. And if you look at the way that Luke chapter 4 is written in the scripture, you see our passage of verses 1 through 12, where there, the significance of the resurrection builds for the reality is, is that Jesus is risen, but he's not present. It's the one account where Jesus is not here in physical form. It then goes on in the passage to where he meets with the disciples on the road to Emmaus and he's present, but he is not recognized by these disciples, not until the end. And then it finishes this passage by looking where he is present with the disciples. And so he is finally present and he is recognized to be the Christ. And so there's a point that the uh, Luke is giving to us, and he's trying to tell us, do we believe the word of God? That's his question. Do we believe the truth of the word of God? And so that is what we should have in our, in our minds as we come to this passage of, do we believe the truths that God has given to us, specifically in here in Luke chapter 24? So let's look at this passage. We're looking at verses 1 through 12 this morning. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices that they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now as Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home, marveling at what had happened. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, on this Easter morn, as we come to your word, Lord, we ask that you would give us eyes to see and hearts to understand. Father, that we would be able to answer that question, why do we look for the living among the dead? Why do some of us question? Why does our faith become lacking? 
Father, truly come and minister to us this morning. Truly allow us to recognize that you have risen. You have risen indeed. And now sit as the conquering King of kings and Lord of lords. And you intercede for us even now on this Easter Sunday before our Father. And so, Jesus, please, please meet us so that we might look more like you on this Easter than when we tuned in before. Father, hear our prayer. Give us the power of the Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. This morning we're going to be looking at these three specific points. We're going to see how the women were perplexed as they go in the midst of this, as they go looking for Jesus. We're going to look at the angels' illuminating message that they give to the women as they experience this at the tomb. And then we're going to see the responses of the people as they come to the story. So the first thing we see is that the women are perplexed. Now we need to get, again, the background because we don't ever question the love of the women. They, we knew they loved Jesus. We knew that they, they sought to have that intimate relationship with him. And we understood and we see it in scripture because they are truly, they're the last ones to leave Jesus. Luke 23, this, the chapter right before this one, talks about how they saw Jesus from afar. They, they saw him at the distance as he was being crucified. But then they also followed Joseph of Arimathea to the grave. They walked with him. They saw him be placed into the tomb. They got to see how Jesus was laid out. They knew exactly where Jesus was buried. So they're the last to leave Jesus. And then they have the opportunity where they have to take a Sabbath rest. So they, we, we know is late in the day because they are starting to break the legs of the, the people around Jesus so that they might die quickly so they could be put into the tombs or thrown out into the, to the um, fiery uh, furnace that was around the, 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 the city of Jerusalem so that they can be killed so they can uh, not have to be defiled. And so they remember they took Jesus down quickly, they wrap him, and they put him in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, and yet the women didn't get to finish. And so the reality is they take a Sabbath rest because it's part of the requirement. But yet the reality is they came, it says early in the morning, because it's the first day of the week and they can finally come. So it's, we would say it's like zero dark 30. It's that early in the morning because they had anticipation. Maybe they couldn't even sleep. They were so overwhelmed of coming to finish what they had started. And that leads to maybe they were trying to give their last respects because, again, the reality it was unfinished. So the, we, as Americans, we sanitize death. We don't, we don't really get it. We don't even like it if there's blood in our meat trays. We, we get sickened by that. We, we're not cutting animals up, most of us. We're not um, having people come into our homes when the people die because we want to show them. We don't even like open caskets anymore in America. And so we've sanitized ourselves to death. But most cultures are at a place where they would have to have properly prepared the body. And so there, there's not embalming. There's, they're at a place where now it's the third day and the body's going to start stinking. And so they bring this, um, it says usually about 75 pounds of spices and materials to come and to prepare the body. And so they're coming to finish what they're doing, but they're coming to prepare the body, but they're also in some ways coming to say goodbye. 
Because the reality is, there is the sorrow of death. They are coming to give, in essence, their last respects. Because there's always pain of saying goodbye to a loved one. And it doesn't matter when it happens. It doesn't matter whether you're prepared for it. There's still always that sense of, I didn't have enough time. I didn't get to say goodbye. I didn't get to say the things I wanted to say. Because the reality is, death should never have been. It wasn't how God created us to be in this world. We should have never died if we never sinned. But yet the reality is, is we come here at this point, and especially with these women, and we're coming to the most crucial death of all in all of history. And so here they are, they're coming to the tomb, and they are sorrowful, and they're mourning, and it's right to do so. They loved Jesus And now he was gone. And so they come to give their last respects, to cry and to mourn and to weep and to prepare the body. But they come to a very perplexing situation. Now we hear in the other gospels that they were perplexed of, well, how are we going to move the stone? It's a very large stone. And who's going to be there to move it for us? So there's a perplexion of them coming to, but when they get to the tomb, they're even more perplexed. Because they didn't have to move the stone, the stone was moved. But what's most perplexing to them is that Jesus should be dead. But when they get there, the tomb is empty. And as they find that and have the the encounter with the angels, they become scared. So the women are perplexed in regards to this first Easter. They're coming to bring spices, to prepare the Lord to decay, to to be in this tomb for years. And yet the reality is is they come and they find an empty tomb. Which brings us to our second point, their encounter with the angels. Now the angels come and the first thing they, they do is they give them kind of an understanding of you have forgotten the information that you were told. Now let's just, before we kind of get hard on them, Let's just think through this because we know that we can listen, but not hear. And again, it's mostly men who get this, but there are women who have to deal with this too. You get the question, are you hearing what I'm saying to you? See, there's a difference between listening and actually hearing. When I do premarital counseling, when I do marriage counseling, one of the things we go back to in regards to communication is this very um, elementary listening activity. And it's a statement of, I wish, and then you fill in the blank. So it could be, I wish you would pick up your dirty clothes and put them in the hamper. And then I would respond and say, okay, now, so what did you just hear in that I wish statement? And some people come back and they go, oh, well, she's saying I'm a slob. Well, that's, that's not what was communicated. You're not hearing exactly what they're saying. They're saying, I wish you would put your dirty clothes in the clothes hamper. That's as simple as it is. I'm not, I'm not attacking you as a person. I, I'm not suggesting that you're an unclean pig or something like that. I'm just saying, please pick up your dirty clothes. But we don't always hear what's being spoken. And even if we hear what's being spoken, do we begin to understand? Because we can hear... But do we understand what's being stated? There are many times as people come in and they ask, um, they ask for advice on different things and you go, okay, what does the Bible say? But then you give them biblical wisdom. And as you give them biblical wisdom, um, you've had people come in and say, well, should I marry this person? 
Well, there's a lot of red flags. And, and what do other people say? No, they're concerned. They see some issues. But you know what? I think I'm going to do what I want to do and I'm going to get married anyways. Or maybe there's other situations where you say, um, hey, what do you think about this? Should we do this? Should we bring this person in? No. Should we uh, do this? No. Um, well, what do you think? No. Well, you know what? I think I'm going to do it anyways. And so we get this where we, we are hearing other people, but we're not understanding what they're saying. And so there's a reality where we want to do our own thing. But the reality is, is that we should listen so that we can hear. And as we hear, we get understanding. And as we get understanding, we get transformation, especially for those who are in Jesus Christ. So again, the reality is, is that the angels are coming and they're speaking to the women. Now, I want you to understand that it's also a very gentle rebuke. Now, why do I say it's a gentle rebuke? Well, because the question is, why are you here looking for the living among the dead? So why are the angels even there? They, should have, they knew Jesus was alive. So why would they have gone to the tomb? They, they know that Jesus was alive. And I think it's, it's truly a gentle thing that God the Father does. Is he sends these two angels and he says, I know these women are not going to get it. Even though they've heard the truth. Even though they knew that I was going to be raised from the dead. So I want you to go to the tomb and I want you to meet them there. There's a lot of times like what we do here at the church and we can say, hey, there's an event. It got canceled or it got moved to another place. Um, but a lot of times we can put it in the bulletin. We can put it out on an email. We can put it on the Facebook page. We can do all this stuff thinking everybody's, everybody's figured this out. But we still send people to the church just in case someone drives up and they said, well, I didn't, know, I didn't hear that. I didn't remember that thing. I don't remember that. Well, think about this. The, the women had heard the truth. And they knew Jesus was going to rise from the dead on the third day. So why did they come to the tomb? And this is what the angels say to them. But God so loved them that he sent the angels to say, Hey, remember. Remember what Jesus told you. And it asked one of the most penetrating questions. Why do you look for the living among the dead? Because he is truly risen. You knew what he said to you. The third day he was going to rise from the dead. And what they proceed to do is then give, in essence, a gospel message. And I want you to hear this quote from Legan Duncan because I think it's good in regards to the word. And again, that's part of Luke's point to us this Easter Sunday is do we believe the truth of the scripture? And this is what Legan Duncan says. We don't read the word of God through the light of our life. We read our lives through the light of the word of God. It frames our understanding. And what does that mean? Let's put it in practical. It doesn't mean that we look at the word of God through the coronavirus. We look at the coronavirus through the word of God. And he tells us, and you've heard in the prayers, you've heard what McCartney read earlier. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God is in control. God is a good and loving father. And so everything that happens, happens for a purpose. And so even this, this might be the thing that draws us unto Christ. 
The coronavirus, it could have been that you had this great understanding of, hey, we're going to have this great family uh, tradition and we're going to have these things at the beach or we're going to have these great Easter egg hunts or we're going to go out and and have a big barbecue or something like that. And, And maybe all of that is gone this year. And maybe you would have never have darkened. Maybe you would have never turned this on. Maybe you would have never received it from a friend, but you're watching it today and it is something that draws you to God and it changes your life forever. And so God tells us through his word that he has control over all of this. And he uses it, even coronavirus, for his glory, his honor. And so we trust just like the women did. And so what the angels then do is they give the the gospel message to them. And he says, remember, hey, hey, the wages of sin is death. And yes, Jesus died, but he had to be the perfect sacrifice. And so just like he told you, he had to come to die. He was going to be handed over to evil men. But the reality is this had to happen. Why? Because the reality is it's what we celebrate today, the resurrection. It it wasn't a big deal that Jesus died. It's a big deal that he's raised again. And why is it a big deal? Because it means God accepted the sacrifice. He accepted that one perfect sacrifice. Jesus pays for all sin one time upon the cross. And because he's alive, he is our living Savior. He is alive. And as he's alive, he now intercedes for us. And and again, the word tells us that he is there as the conquering foe. And, And we've heard it from Chris earlier. Where death is your sting grave where's your victory it's not to be found anymore because the perfect sacrifice has come and as he's resurrected from the dead he has paid the price and he gives to us his righteousness so as the women have come perplexed they came to a place they shouldn't have been they have an encounter with angels who waken their minds they illuminate their minds of the truths of the scripture so how do the people respond to the news The first thing we see is the response of the women. And it's a faithful response because they believe the words of Christ. They believe the word of God. See, the reality is they haven't seen Jesus. They haven't seen Jesus yet. All they see is an empty tomb. But they hear the message of the angels and they remember the words of Jesus Christ. And they believe. And as they believe, they respond to the truth of what they've heard. And what do they do? It's what we're called to do. Go and tell everyone of the truth of the gospel message. See, it was their desire for the others to know the truth. So they run to the disciples. They run to the apostles and the others that are there with them. And they tell of the truth that they had just heard and experienced. But then there's a second response, and it's an unfaithful response. Because listen, here are these apostles, the the people who are supposed to be, the people who got it, most of all. But it also says that there's a crowd of other people. And listen, they receive multiple eyewitness accounts. Multiple. It wasn't just one Mary It wasn't just one Joanne. It wasn't just one woman. It was multiple women who came and they said, this is what we heard. And this is what we've seen. It's the same account. 
It wasn't multiple accounts. It was multiple eyewitnesses with the same account. And how do they respond to that? They reject the message. They reject it. We don't believe you women. People die. And so Jesus is in the grave. Now, here's a question we should be asking ourselves. At least for me, this, I guess, boogers me up a little bit in the sense of these are the same people who just a little over a week before watched Lazarus walk out of a tomb. They know people can be raised from the dead. They know that Jesus raised someone from the dead. So here they hear the account of someone being raised from the dead. They've seen someone be raised from the dead, but they still said, we don't believe. We don't believe you. We don't trust you. And the reality is, how quickly do we forget? How quickly do we go to question our faith? Is this real? Is this not real? Well, man, is God still in control with the coronavirus? Is he not in control? We, we question all the time. And yet the reality is, is that we've got to remember that these were people who should have known better. And it gives us a little bit of hope, right? It gives us a little bit of hope of the people who say, I, I don't need this. Or I'm doing okay on my own. There's the good illustration of a fish who, if you catch a fish and you bring him out of the, the water and you put him on the dock for a little bit, he's going to flop around. He looks as though he's alive. But the reality is that we know he's dead. If he doesn't get back into his element, into the water, he's dead. And it's the same with, if we're not called by Christ, we're dead and we can think we're good. We can think we've got everything under control. We can think we're in control of our lives and we're not. And so these people respond to the truths of the eyewitnesses with disbelief. But then we're given a third response. It's called a marveling response. And it's the Apostle Peter. And here's the one who probably felt worst of all. He had just just denied Christ after saying, hey, Jesus, everybody else might fall away, but I'm going to go with you and I'm going to die with you. And yet in the course of one night, he, he uh, denies Christ three times. And so here he is, his savior is in the grave, he's hiding, he's scared, he's overwhelmed, and he probably does feel the worst of all. And yet the reality is, is that when he hears the woman speak, he goes to the tomb. He goes to the tomb. See now, before we're so hard on Peter and what he does and how he denies Christ, let's also remember how many times we've denied Christ. How many times that we've been spiritual cowards? How many times that we denied Christ for simple things? To fit in. To not have to do something. See, we all go through these times. But the reality is, I think, like Peter, we want to go to the tomb because we want to know that we can be forgiven. And that there's hope. There's hope for us. And so... Peter goes to the tomb and he looks in and he finds that it's empty. But it also says that he finds the linen cloths. Now, why is that important? Why is that included? Now, let's think about this just logically. If you were going to be someone and they were worried, remember, about people stealing the body of Jesus. And so if you were worried about stealing a body, why would you take the time to unwrap it? 
You would grab the body and get out there as soon as possible. And so we know that he's wrapped in linens. He's been taken down. And it's a crucified body. It's not like this is just a body where you can say, I had too much to drink and I put him over my shoulder and I take him home. He's a piece of hamburger meat. He's been beaten. He's raw on both sides of his body. He's had a spear stuck into his side. He's had the thorns placed upon his head. He's had nails in his hands and his feet. It's a crucified body. It's a bloody piece of meat. So why would someone take the time to unwrap it and carry a crucified body through the city to get rid of it? So I think God does something, again, marvelous for us. He gives to us the truths of the scripture, even showing when Jesus is not there, his word is true. He's not dead. He is alive. It says that Peter sees this and he goes home and he marvels. So the question for us this Easter Sunday is what is our response? What is our response to the empty tomb? Now, a lot of people think that somehow I get upset or I'm ticked off when people only come for Christmas or Easter. That's not true. I want people to come to church anytime that they're available to. I want you to tune in anytime to watch sermons that are true to the scripture. Because I don't know when God's going to save you. We all know stories of uh, of the man who heard the, the gospel story when he was in vacation Bible school as a child, but doesn't respond until he's in his 90s. We know family and friends who, who've lived lives in such a way that we thought they could never be saved, and yet the reality is, is God saves them. It's always a miracle when someone's saved. And so don't feel like just because you're only coming twice a year that somehow you don't measure up. I always want you to come to the truth and to hear the truth and let God change you. And so we ask the question of how do we respond on this Easter Sunday? Are we like Peter? Do we just marvel at the situation? Do we just, we like hearing the story? We like, and we we think we want to believe it. Just like we would like to believe that when we go to Universal or we go to Disney World, that those rides and the movies are real. We can go on a real live pirate ship. We can go to Hogwarts. We could go and do this. And those aren't just fables. Those are real places. And hey, we want to do that. And so we could marvel at it. Hey, I I wish there was really a savior who uh, came back from the dead and, and really is living and really does save me. Well, it's true. Or maybe you hear this and it's just unbelief again. It's another year where you're just like, man, I want to do my own thing. And this is just too much of a tale. I just can't believe it. Maybe God believes in you more than you don't believe in him. Open your eyes, read the truths of the scripture, understand what it is that God has done for you. But maybe this is the year where you finally hear the truth of the gospel message clearly. So how do we respond? We believe. And as we believe, we go forth and we tell. And we want everyone to know the truth of the gospel message this year, that Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life, died upon the cross, was buried, but was resurrected on the third day. And he ascended into heaven and sits at God's right hand where he intercedes for us even now. And he's going to come back. There's going to be another time where Jesus comes here. 
But this time he comes as a conquering, a conquering king. So he gives to us now the opportunity to respond to this Easter message. Why do you look for the living among the dead? He's not here. He's alive, just as he said. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your Easter message. We thank that you took the time and the effort to use human men to write down your words, to give the details that they've given so that we might rightly understand, so that even with them, even though we don't get to see you resurrected physically in front of us, we believe the truth of the scripture. We believe your eyewitnesses. And we can answer that question, why do we look for the living among the dead? And we don't, because Jesus is alive. He's alive and well and coming back soon. So Father, may we celebrate, may we enjoy this day to give you all glory and honor as we come and celebrate this Easter, looking forward to the time where we will be with you for now and forevermore in your presence to see your scarred hands and scarred feet knowing that you paid the price so that we would never have to. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy for they are new every morning. And we praise you for that. And we pray this in Jesus Christ's powerful name. Amen.